0: noble dreams of some noble dreams with his fingers and toes and everything in between with his friends and his foes.
1: Welcome to the Noble Dreams Podcast. I'm your host, Noble, coming to you from an empty house in the woods in Vermont, which is a state in the northeast corner of the United States. Uh, Two fun facts about this house. Number one, uh, my computer, which is a 2006 MacBook, which has been Frankenstein's together over the years to maintain its running capacity, um, which still works for almost all applications that I need. Require it to, or want it to at least, um, cannot function. It's rendered almost completely useless in this house. Uh, all three times I've taken it here and tried to use it, it acts as if the hard drive has um, crapped out and goes into uh, beach ball mode pretty pretty much right away. Uh, and as soon as I take it somewhere else, it's good to go. It never has any problems anywhere else. So that's fascinating. The other thing is, it's a big empty house. I do some work uh, here sometimes, and and uh, also do some recording. So it's the kind of house that, like, as soon as you walk in, and you and you just start to hear the uh, the resonance of the space, you just want to go. Oh, it's such a perfect day, and I'm glad I spent it with you. And then. Like, maybe you'll go outside to spit or, like, look at a flower or just get, a, uh, you know, some fresh air or whatever, and then you just, like, walk in. and You can't help yourself before you know. If you don't know me by now, you will never, ever,
0: ever know me. Ooh.
1: And then, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then you go upstairs to, um, you know, clean the bathroom or something, and then, as soon as you come back out into this big open space, it's like, oh, I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. I won't know right now, what will it be? Yeah, business Anyways, business. I recorded an intro for this, and then I sent out episode one to a few friends for some feedback. And one of the feedbacks was that the intro was maybe a little long. And I listened back and I agreed because I was in a very low energy mood when I recorded the first one. And the thing is about my voice is that it can be a little bit hypnotic and smooth. And if I'm getting a little bit monotonous like this, it's pretty hard to stay attentive. And so I would have failed is what I realized. So I tried to re record it a bunch of times or at least a couple and I wasn't really satisfied with the results. And my judgment was that trying to shorten it up was uh, not as helpful as i thought because i wasn't saying what i wanted to say Um, so for those of you who can't sit still or don't want to listen or whatever for uh, to some housekeeping on episode one you can skip ahead maybe eight or ten minutes and for those of you the rest of you i'd really love if you could stick with me this one time just to get a sense of where we're going Um, the first thing i want to say is thank you Uh, leading with gratitude I'm, i'm so grateful that you're here Um, Whatever series of events transpire in order for that to be the case, uh, I'm just, it's so amazing. You are welcome here in the noble dreamiverse. Everybody and everything is. um, And this has been something that I've been, you know, for lack of a better word, dreaming up over the last couple of years and uh, bringing it into fruition and into um, this consensus reality is uh, a big deal for me. And I'm really excited for what it could. Uh, have the potential to be. And that really, really super duper requires your, um, your being here in, in many more ways than one, which will be clear. Um, so hopefully this will be a little bit different than uh, most of the podcasts that you listen to. Uh, there will be some familiar aspects such as we will have long form conversations, uh, which is what we're going to be doing today do-do-do, stick around for that. Uh, We have a wonderful, wonderful person that we talk to. Uh, We're going to have live music played on here by a variety of different people. Um, We're going to have discussions on certain topics. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about um, relationship dynamics. We're going to talk about animals. We're going to talk about all kinds of different stuff. Uh, We're going to play some games. We're going to have some interactive portions, which includes us giving you some invitations to go out in the world and uh, interact with it and with the people and things and places and animals and uh, environments in new ways, hopefully, or at least ways that are uh, uh, you know, continually rewarding if you've done them before. And then report back and we'll share those stories here and um, build, build some more community uh, here in this sort of liminal cyberspace and also in your own, in your own spaces that you interact with more uh, directly. Um, and we'll have stories, uh, stories on different, different things, um, different themes and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of different stuff that's going to come. And so stick with us for a few episodes. I'm not going to launch this until there's a few made. So i will give you a little sense of the variety of things, um, and where we're going. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a slow burn. Like if you listen to one, you're not going to get a sense of what this is. Uh, it's a sort of emergent, um, design and, uh, an evolution. It's the idea. And I can't even conceive of what it's going to potentially turn into. I just have a few ideas. Okay. So uh, we have a little bit of a mission statement here. Uh, The mission statement is very close to one that I've been living with in my own life for the last few years. And because I have a pretty sort of scattered and multifaceted interest uh, array in my life, I've found that having a mission statement uh, has been helpful for me to sort of distill that all under an umbrella that's um, you know big enough to fall in love with somebody at the bus stop with and also hold other things and keep it a little bit more um, contained and thematic and a few of those threads a little bit more visible so i can check in like if, if i'm doing something in the world does it fit in with this mission and if not is it worth pursuing still uh for me in my judgment whatever so the mission statement of the noble dreams podcast is we create a world of beauty, connection, and dreaming together through commitment to and celebration of exploration, story, and creativity. Again. That's we create a world of beauty, connection, and dreaming together through commitment to and celebration of exploration, story, and creativity. Okay, so just quickly, the best way to get in touch with the uh, with me or any... Well, yeah, it's just pretty much me at this point, is um, pod at gmail.com. And uh, again, nobledreamspod@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And just be as specific as you can with the subject line in case uh, there's something that is time um, sensitive that we want to be addressing, uh, you know, if we're doing a theme week or something like that, it's good to know what's coming through so I can prioritize it, uh, getting it back into the flow. Also, I was just thinking about how I'm sitting in this house speaking and then you have this voice in your ears and... You could be taking a bath. You could be going for a run. You could be lying in a hospital bed. You could be operating a jackhammer. You could be driving a race car or a Toyota Yaris. You could be painting a portrait of a badger. Um, you could be hanging some drapes. I don't know, this climbing a tree. There's so many things that you might be doing, maybe just sitting still or lying in bed. And there's something really magical feeling about that to me um, that we, are meeting in a way in this space and yet we're all out in our own little spaces simultaneously feels really special i mean you know it could be like three people who knows but (laughs) we will find out and i'm going to use the pre-recorded intro i gave about our guest today which will start right about we're going to have a conversation with a really fascinating person uh by the name of tina frimmel and i would just like to say a little bit of a background story involving Tina. So I used to live in Burlington. I've lived in Burlington for some years uh, in various stretches. And I used to really enjoy going to a a comedy, a weekly comedy open mic. Um, It's now held at the Vermont Comedy Club, which is a pretty amazing venue. And I was just really fascinated by seeing people be really vulnerable and go up on stage when they have material that's never really been heard and they don't really know if you know other people are going to think it's funny or what they're bringing to the table is interesting or unique. And I was a bit of a voyeur, honestly. I, I did go up and perform once, which was something. And otherwise, I just really, you know, I love watching people. I love studying uh, how people perform and what they... What they bring to different um, sort of venues and different uh, environments and so one time I was sitting there and this woman performed and it was Tina and I didn't know her name at the time or anything like that and within maybe one of her five minutes I was thinking to myself wow this person is coming from a different place they're working in a different arena and like the levels that they're working on simultaneously is fascinating They're super funny I was laughing out loud which you know is pretty rare honestly and I had this other intuition which was I've been thinking you know I've been sort of putting this podcast together in my mind for over the last couple of years and and keeping notes and putting some sort of mind maps together and that kind of thing And I just had this sort of uh, little intuitive hit of like, you know, if I ever get this podcast together, I really want this person to be the first guest. And I just sort of bookmarked that. And I didn't even know her name or where she was from or anything else about her other than what she presented in just those five minutes of open mic. And I saw her perform again and just after the show, just uh, introduced myself and said thank you for her work because it was I just, you know, was so uh, struck by it. But other than that, we had never spoken before and I reached out to her recently and she was pumped about doing it and and uh, we sat down in her living room and just had this conversation and it was just incredible. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better first guest. I left that experience like walking on air I was just so pumped and she's such a fascinating and articulate and intelligent and wonderful person and it was just so fun to talk with her and so effortless like I walked out of the thing and I was thinking you know I I opened my mouth and told a couple little stories and stuff during that time and I I sort of consciously chose to like I had this thing of like oh I'll you know remind the people that there's someone else in the room as if that was necessary but at the same time I was kind of like yeah I don't even think I needed to and (laughs) so it was just a really it was a really amazing conversation and it's very organic there was no notes there's no uh it's not an interview of well tell me about this and tell me about this and tell me about it's uh we just went for it and I got so much from it and I really really hope that you get a lot from it as well so our guest, you know, Tina Frimmel is her name, F-R-I-M-L is her last name, and you, if you're listening to this podcast in 2019, maybe you're learning her name from this. If you're listening to this podcast in the future, I would bet there's a good chance you already know her name. I really believe that, and uh, as such, it's a really fascinating sort of time capsule, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how things develop, but... Uh, I feel really honored and grateful to have been able to sit down with Tina, and she's just a wonderful being, and I hope that you enjoy this as much as I did. So anyways, thank you so much, and without any more further adoos and don'ts, we will be speaking with Tina Frimmel. Tina Frimmel!
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) There's a joke among podcasters that the best conversations happen right before and right after you record a podcast. Yeah, I've heard that too, and I think it's the, probably true. <laughs> into a dead mic, yeah. Um. Oh, I was saying that um, when I began comedy, um, it was in a class. That I took at the Vermont comedy Club, and um we on like the fifth week, we did microphone skills, and that was it was I remember the feeling of holding a mic for virtually the first time um profesh- professionally yeah <laughs> um and that took a hot minute to, like, get used to hearing your voice. Um, I mean, just because I'd grown up hating my voice in a recording. i like, cringing. Uh, and then suddenly having to stand in front of a room of people with my voice booming <laughs> at me and everyone else, like, it... it Took. It was odd. You, no, it's fine. But
1: do you find like working with stu like with studio monitors that are bringing it right back into your face? Is that a lot different than just hearing your own voice from inside yeah. your head? Yeah.
2: Um. Well, like every show is different because it's differently. Um. Yeah. Well, the microphone is roughly the same, but the sound can be different. And, um, it, yeah, like some venues, they're so used to hosting bands that they, they have that, that amp right, right back at you. And like, you can hear your own voice <laughs> so, enough so that it's distracting, um. And I can just be real well, you kinda of go find like the happy medium. Like when you cannot hear yourself over the mic at all, that can be a bit unnerving for me, like wondering if the mic's loud enough or like what people are hearing. Um but on the other extreme, yeah. Sometimes it's just you are just bombarded by your own voice, and that can be really <laughs> alienating. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's not like uh,
1: it's not like you're on. You need to be on key or something, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just distracting.
1: Did, were, did you have uh, like experience being on stage a lot before deciding to do comedy?
2: yeah actually i am um, well, I grew up around a lot of community theater um and well my parents were very, very active in um theater, but I grew up um mainly about s- building and designing sets um but but basically, I grew up um at rehearsals <laughs> and you know, in the corner on a blanket eating pizza. <laughs> um and it really quickly kinda of got into me and I wanted to become like a star. You know? <laughs> so um during high school I actually was in um a kind of vocational um, acting course, um, right near my high school, and there we did lots of plays, and, um, we wrote scripts, and, and all that good stuff, but it was at kind of a professional level, and, um, I, uh, I did that, I did community theater, and, and I was, always dead set on becoming, yeah, like a performer, like an actor, or, um, I wrote songs too, or so a musician, um, but, but I, uh, I, well, I kind of had the revelation in, um, uh, my later high school years that because I was different, I, um, I was uncastable, you know, <laughs> and um, I it kind of began to dismantle that passion and that dream that I had. Um, and uh, in in college, uh, I hardly did any theater at all. I really focused more on graphic arts and um, journalism, like writing um so the the answer kind of is yes and no also it was kind of like a a dead dream (laughs) to perform um that kind of got reignited um after college
1: comedy's I mean, yeah, it's a pretty cool way to like if you if you consider yourself uncastable to sort of cast yourself because it's like you're you're your own thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's
2: perfect. It, it's like, well, why not get on stage and literally be yourself?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that was the thing that struck me so much when I saw you perform was your like your deep level of self awareness. And bringing that into your work in a way that, like, on so many levels, you know, to my judgment, was just, like, so well done. And really invited the audience in, in a really, like, interesting way. Because I, I used to go to the open mics and stuff a lot just to, yeah, you know, I don't know, some sort of masochistic <laughs> <way>. <laughs> just, like, Watch <laughs> people burn. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know, it's like... Uh, sort of like a I, I you know from like an empathetic standpoint like you know you're, you're you're up there with that person to some degree and it's just like
2: oh. yeah you're and like you, a sadist yeah
1: oh, wow. a sadist and a masochist at the same time cuz it hurts so bad to, for yourself to be yeah. there when, when you're identifying with them and yeah. uh yeah but i remember thinking like this person's coming from a totally different space. And, like, I don't know if you, like, your opening line that you usually use, I don't know if you feel comfortable yeah. saying that. I don't give up well, your uh, um, secrets, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, at the at the beginning of every set that I do, I say, uh, oh, I'm, I'm Tina, and I'm disabled, uh, but don't worry, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that is actually a line that I wrote, um, right at the beginning of my comedy career. Um, it was the, uh, the first time that I told it, there was this insane release of tension, literally like ice breaking. You, you, pardon the cliche, but it really, really was, it was, um, I, I never heard a room of people just suddenly burst out laughing like that, um, going from dead silence, um, and I think it was, um, I'm really glad that I wrote that joke so early in my joke writing career because I think if I hadn't written that joke early and and then um saw what that did, I into i mean that joke kind of inspired the rest of it um I mean. After you saw what that joke did, it it kind of opened the door to like, oh, yeah, look, le- actually, let's talk about this, and people actually could get on board with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I find it very inviting, and I and I think that a lot of, like, well, watching the open mics, a lot of the, I think. I think a challenge that people don't realize is that, like, even if you're a funny person within your social situations, that if you have five minutes on stage, you don't have the benefit of people being familiar with you, right. or having a background of, like, this is you as a character, and you can also, I mean, as a human being, being the character, but, like, right. like there's some established uh, personality, and without that, if you just get up and you start telling jokes, a lot of times there's just it's not very inviting there's like a disconnect because you don't because people i think respond more to people than they do to just plain humor Mm -hmm. and so if you don't bring your personhood into it then it's like yeah some of the stuff they're saying is funny but i don't feel connected to it or i don't feel invited in whereas that was like when i saw you the first time and it was i think it was at one of those open mics and i was like that's this is a completely different thing because she just opened the door and she said here i am and come, let's do this thing,, uh-huh. and it was like and it, it was the whole the room shifted in a different in a very different way than it was uh for most of the other performers, which was kind of like sort of cautious skepticism or something, right, <laughs> it's like yeah, all right, let's see what you got, like prove it, or or you know it it seems it it felt like a friendly atmosphere, like people were encouraging, like it wasn't no one was heckling, or you know it was like no everyone yeah. realizes it's it's a training ground and everything, but
2: yeah. Exactly. Uh well I think that um any comedian who gets up on stage within the first minute, um, the audience is trying to figure out what they are. Like what they are, what they have to say, um that first thirty seconds is critical of um making that first impression. And um what actually what I do before I even say that first you're going to be okay joke. I um I talk a little, a little bit about the room, about the night, um I just say hello, happy Friday, whatever. Um and I I do that for about thirty seconds or a minute just to kind of make people hear how I talk and and build that tension, you know? Um and allow people that opportunity to be like, whoa <laughs> wait a second Um I, I know that I've heard a lot of people um tell me that, you know, they The first time that they heard me, they thought I was, um, just really drunk or really had something really wrong with me mentally, um, particularly, yeah, I open mics, you never know who gets on on stage, and, um, and then I would say that joke, and, you know, people People told me that it was just like having having that inner dialogue within them of like, okay, what's happening? Like, is she okay? Um, should she really be up there? What's happening? And then suddenly, it becoming crystal clear within a simple joke. I, I think that's why it makes such an impact. But also, I love that joke because I wish so badly that I could just say that in real life all the time. Um, I mean, whenever I meet people and I can tell what they're thinking, like, they, um they're They're distracted, and they're trying to um, evaluate what's what's happening, why I'm a bit different and I just <laughs> and and they're uncomfortable and and it it radiates out of them sometimes and i I can feel it, and then it distracts me um and I so wish I could just go out on a limb and just be like this is happening you're going to be okay Yeah. okay moving on yeah no.
1: yeah i my own like the experience that i can relate to that in my own little way is like i tend to remember people way better than they remember me uh-huh. <laughs> so like i remember faces i remember people's names usually i remember like specific conversations where i met people and that kind of stuff that's just one memory that i like one uh, category of memory that i have that works pretty well and so it it's like when i i'll go up and talk to somebody and I know exactly who they were. I know where we were the last time we met and blah, 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 blah. But instead of, and I've, and I've noticed them going through this thing of like, why does this <laughs> person know who I am? Why are they talking to me? Why do they feel comfortable doing so? So I realized that I didn't like being in that situation. So now I just go up to people and I say, I know what we met, you know, right. at, the, at the coffee shop and this is like the context and this is what we talked about. And they're like, oh, okay. And then yeah, it's like.
2: catch you all. casual. Oh man, I yeah. wish I was like that. Uh, I'm the exact opposite I am. Um, I, I've a thing with faces where the first time that I meet someone I cannot um hold on to the memory of their face. Um and it, it's actually I have to meet them. I think I, I figured out that I have to meet them four times. To actually um remember what they look like when they're not in the room, mm. and um I'll go out and I'll... there are people that I've gotten coffee with for for hours a few times, and i I cannot remember what what they look like um and uh yeah oh I'm, like, I'm so envious of you <laughs> well. cause it, yeah it can be that can get awkward um actually another comic um Annie Russell, do you know her?
1: I've seen her yeah, yeah, yeah
2: she's um also partially face blind um when she's got a great joke about that where she she calls it something like medically rude she's (laughs) like i'm medically rude but but really like it it's you feel so bad (laughs) like well
1: yeah that's the thing though it's like i i want to take like that's my little my little way of trying to take that away from people Mm -hmm. like don't worry about feeling bad like i don't take it personally if you don't remember me like that's we all have different memory capacities and like You'll remember, you know, all the words to every song you've ever heard and then I'll remember right. your face and name. It's like whatever. And uh yeah, I was when you were saying that, I was thinking it'd be nice if we could just have little like little cards to give each other. It <laughs> says like, listen, it's gonna take me four times to get right. <laughs> it's gonna take four times to meeting you to get Nothing to remember your though. face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um I've got this going on. I've got this going on. So when you interact with me, these are going to be the things you'll notice. Yeah. And, and here they are explained. Right. <laughs> That's exactly. Really, really nice. <laughs>
2: exactly. And no, I know. I I felt bad because I've um, like, I I have very good friends where I don't at all remember like what where we met or <laughs> when or like. I do not remember meeting them at all, um, and, um, well, like, I have one friend who, um, like, they, they remember exactly where they met me, and, like, these, we had the most amazing conversation, (laughs) (laughs) and then I, I feel so I mean and like I remember the conversation once they um go into it, but um like I don't at all remember having it with them mm-hmm. because I remember having it with a random like anonymous person because yeah my brain just hadn't caught up to to them being that person, you know.
1: Right. So do you have like a section of your memory that's really like do you thrive in a certain area?
2: Um nothing like super, super handy. Um I I don't I don't know. I mean like I remember where I where I acquired everything that I own. Like, I, I don't know if that's a thing, but, like, I I mean, I've got, like, a huge wardrobe, and I remember exactly where and when I got everything and how much it was. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing or if that's just me being, I don't know.
1: It seems- sort of a thing I, i'm just fascinated to see how different it's like you know people report themselves like with a wide brush of like i have a bad memory right. or like it's like well I don't, yeah maybe but it's also pretty interesting that it's just like i feel like different people's brains like thrive at, in different categories of memory right and i think that's like most people i don't think would remember where they got every garment and how much <laughs> and especially the big wardrobe and how much it costs and
2: yeah,
1: Um, where you know all that.
2: Yeah, I I didn't I I didn't think it was a thing until like, um, one day, maybe five years ago that my my friend said like, wait you you remember? I well, I was like, going through my wardrobe, and um, saying, oh I got this here and that there and that there like every article, and, and they, they were like, how can they remember? (laughs) But, who knows?
1: Um, do you have, like, when I watch people do, like, full hours of, of stand-up and stuff like that, it's really amazing to me that they can remember where they are, where they're going, what they're, you know, do you have, how is it for you, like, Remembering your act and doing it performing it
2: it's gotten a lot better that I would say that actually my memory um i mean- co- doing comedy has definitely been a workout for my memory and i I have much better memory than I did a year ago or two years ago um in that regard where even, when I began, like, even five-minute sets, I would have to write out all my jokes and remember what they were and (laughs) what order. Um, now I think unless I do, like, a 30-minute set, I never write out my jokes, um, or rarely. I mean if I've got new ones that I wanna put in then I might but well I remember when I first began comedy, I was in awe of comics who um had like a mental bank of jokes and bits. And um they could just without they didn't have to write down a whole solid cemented set they could they could begin and then kind of go in whatever direction and, and file through their their mental bank and just pull out a joke that they think the audience might like um and I remember being absolutely in awe of that um two years ago and it's insane how now i I do that and um how it is actually quite possible to do it um and you just free up that part of your brain and and but also be confident in your jokes and and what you know and that you know them um and, and you can just... I think that's when comedy got the next level of fun for me was I didn't have to, like, write them all out and, and go up there and monologue them at people. I could actually go up there, be in the moment, not be a dude in the headlights, and um just get up there and entertain people and um have like all these jokes at my disposal and just have have fun with it.
1: Yeah. Just get to like the part where you just trust yourself like I don't need yeah. to don't need to like consciously think, Oh now I need to do this part or,
2: Yeah. Know. I think that jokes kind of after a while In my brain, they became kind of like where you store memories and stories of, like, you know, things that you might bring out at a party, you know. Um, They (laughs) they got locked up in that part of my brain. And so, yeah, it, it literally does feel like you're at a party and you can just say recall this or that and and have fun with it
1: yeah that sounds like a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yep it's i'm always amazed like i feel like i'm tuned to tell myself that i'm not gonna be able to do things and sometimes i like to just challenge that and when i start something it's the same thing i'll watch someone who's really uh adept or just really skilled at something and think there's no way there's no way in a million years and i every single time that like if i teach myself an instrument which you know something that that has been this journey for me is like i used to watch people uh, you know, play guitar or play this or that, and I was like, "There's no way I could ever play a stringed instrument. Like, there's no way my hands could do that." And and, yeah. and then like one day being like, "Well, what if I?" Like, I've always just told myself no, and I've told everyone else no, I can't do that. And I was like, "What if I just challenge that gently?" <laughs> like, yeah. And and I remember like I had bought myself a little ukulele and was like trying to learn songs just with simple chords. And I remember mm-hmm. saying to my friend like, "I don't, I can't wrap around my head around like the fact that." you could actually know how to do the fingerings for chords, know which one's coming up, play that, and then play the next one and play the next one, and also sing on top of that. Like, there's no way that's humanly possible. Right?
2: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you look at people that are, are so good at what they do. They've been doing it for years. And they're like, ah, there is... Like, for me to do that would be impossible. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. And, I mean, for me to have done what I'm doing now two and a half years ago would be practically impossible. It's it's amazing what what kind of skills you can build out of virtually nowhere. um, That... Yeah, if you just commit yourself and, um, and have fun and like don't stress about it, um, you'll one day you'll look back and be like, oh my god, like, look what I can do that that a year ago I would have killed someone to do. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, in your case, yeah, you're sort of getting a lot more accolades and attention, I guess, than a lot of people would, you know, get so quickly. Yeah, yeah. How does that feel? I mean, it's sort of, you know, a lot of people are like, you have to do, you know, open mics for seven years or whatever before you're even funny or, you know, there's all these sort of like tropes about comedy.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's true. I um being it it feels weird to even say that I've only been doing comedy for two not even two two and a half years um because yeah i mean i mean it has i have gained more um more opportunities than than the average person has in that time frame. Um, and well I mean it's a bit like a thrill a thrill ride. I mean it, it's so quick and, and I feel like all the time there's the next big thing that that is happening that, that I can't believe I can't believe like I'm actually on on this Show, or I can't believe that like this like, one, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, I'm, I'm on podcast, <laughs> I'm on podcast. Um, and, or, or like, Oh my god, I got into this festival, or um, I get to open for this big headliner, and like, um, there's Always been the, the the next big thing that um, just is unbelievable. But I mean, that can be a bit of a blessing and a curse. I think because um, I I remember um, when I began comedy, and I was only about four or five months in. And I was already being booked on on like a whole lot of shows. Um, and, but I only had five minutes, five minute sets, one set. And, um, and, and then I, I got asked to do my first 30 minute set, I think about six months into doing comedy, which is kind of wild. Um, And I remember two days before having like a mini crisis being like, I'm not not ready. This is ridiculous. Like, I'm not a real comedian. Like, I've only been doing this six months and um and like I I had the material to fill it but I was just like it didn't add up um that I was shooting up so quickly um and I still have moments like like that like the kind of imposter uh syndrome. Um, like, the last time that I had that was back in March. Um, I was auditioning for uh, a huge, huge, very prestigious comedy uh, festival called Just for Laughs Mm -hmm. in Montreal. And um, since I won the Vermont Funniest comedian competition. At one of the kind of prizes of winning.
1: Should I mention that you're dusting the dirt off your shoulders? When you're saying that?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, you know when I won that. When I just won that little thing, the other the other time, that time that I won, um, I am. Um, yeah, I, yeah. There were so many prizes. One of them <laughs> happened to me. Where um, to begin? Yeah. We'll tour
1: in the trophy room after the I know, interview. <laughs> I
2: know. Do you want to see what? It's big. It's a big trophy. Um. No, but yeah. One of the things that came from that is, uh, uh an invitation to, um, audition for the new faces showcase um in new york city um and i remember being in the hotel room the night before um with my mom and like she's one of the only people i felt like i could really be like this around but but i was just straight up said like I don't know about this I don't like I don't know that I should be here like I'm I'm not yeah I'm I'm good but like New New York comics have been doing this for years and grinding and they're they're New York and like I'm a Vermont comic (laughs) Like I'm just a Vermont comic who's been doing this for a couple of years for fun, for fun, and um uh and and just having yeah, like a mini crisis of being like why am I here? Like this this not where I'm supposed to be. Um, I did actually get a callback, though, um, I um, which was wild. I'm going back um, to New York in May um, to do a callback of that audition. So I, I guess it did kind of work out, but um, yeah, so it can be thrilling to... to rock it up that fast but at the same time it can be scary (laughs) you know
1: yeah well it's something i think i think it's something that a lot of most people don't have to deal with you know it's like uh it's sort of a rare well i mean it happens sure but it's pretty unusual that people sort of just Kind of catch a wave, yeah, and and ride it really quickly, um, especially in comedy because comedy's when it's sort of like traditionally like like you said it's like the grind The people grind away at it for years and years to exactly. like get a break.
2: Yeah, um, that's like that's the the story that you always hear about comedy. People do comedy, they move to New York, and they grind in the bars. For years, and the, and they get really good at it that way, and then and then they get the big break, you know. Then they finally get to reap the benefits, the rewards, the fruits of their labor, yeah. um, and to kind of g- go against that, that um, that. Folklore of comedy is, yeah, it can be a bit odd. It can be, a, I mean, part of me is, yeah, like why, why me? Like, I, I feel like I'm surrounded by other comics that are so, so good, um, and I, I'm constantly thinking to myself like why is it me that that is on this like jet set path that the others are not quite on I mean part of it probably has to do with the fact that I am different and and therefore if if I like it or not, I do stand out. Which which, um, I think that that can be a big part of comedy is trying to stand out, and um, trying to have your own voice and and really be memorable. And I I think for me that just kind of comes. With the territory of of being disabled and and um you know I I'm just I am I am different than other people and I think that in, in this I think kind of what I've done is I found a very small niche of life where that can actually work. For my benefit, which is kind of wild, yeah, yeah,
1: and I think what you said earlier about sort of speaking out loud people's internal dialogues, I've been thinking about that since you said that, and thinking about like not only in comedy but in other situations, um like the one that came to mind was like i went I did this uh like, 10-day meditation retreat some years ago. And it was, like, a silent thing and whatever. And every night you, like, watch these videos of the of the guy who kind of designed this course. Uh-huh. And, and it, I think it was on one of the days, I th- it made day two or something, and he says, like, right now you probably want to leave more than anything in the world. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, how... it's It's so nice when someone lends that sort of, like, that little branch of, like, I know where you're at. And by the way, I'm not afraid to say it. And yeah. like, and I think that's, I think that is a, a magic ingredient that a lot of comics sort of miss out on. And I'm thinking about like even seeing people doing the, the doing the uh, open mics and stuff like that. And I, the, the parts that I remember, cause I do remember p- parts of people's, you know, five minutes acts from two, three years ago. Yeah. And it's like the parts I remember the most are those ones where it's like, you're looking at this person and then they either comment on something about their physical appearance or something about their voice or something. And they like show this awareness of like, I might, you you might be remarking to yourself about me already. And, right. and I'm going to say that because we probably all are thinking, and it's like, I love, I love how that works.
2: Yeah. I'm like, you know, the whole, I mean, what, do you know what I mean when I say hack? hack, like, a hack like a hack, a hack joke?
1: Like when it's kind of cheap, like it's yeah. Just
2: well, like... yeah. Like when it's um, cliche or overused mm-hmm. in the Vermont, in the not Vermont, in the comedy scene, like a hack joke would be like uh, the difference between men and women, right, right, you know. Right. Um, and I've been hearing that it's hack to say oh I know what you're thinking and then comment on something about yourself um but I love it like I love I agree I love when people do that um and more often than not it will really be a funny joke like they will comment on oh I look like so-and-so or um yeah, they'll they'll just go in and spearhead um, an assumption that you made in your head about them, and then them reacting and being like, "I get that a lot," um, and that can I think that that is a good joke, like if. If it's a good joke, it's a great joke because it can really, yeah, like, bring the whole room together, and, um, I think that a big part of comedy is people gathering in a room finding out that they are all not really all that different, and they think a lot of the same things, um, and... A lot of those things happen to be hilarious um yeah, I love it i like i I love kind of calling out people in the eyes of what they're probably thinking right now
1: yeah yeah i think I think it's really connective and inviting, and um. And I, and I think, I mean, even in doing like interpersonally, I mean, you see it done a lot in movies and stuff where it's sort of like the person tells the other person their story, you know? Right. Yeah. And and it's, it's really interesting because you see it happen when they're right. The other person doesn't get defensive. They're usually like, they sort of let their guard down. It's like, yeah. Okay. You see me. So I don't have to be, I don't have to pretend to be anything like here I am. Yeah. And that's what I see... That's what I think using that kind of uh, energy on stage is like... I mean, oh, yeah. It, and it's like suddenly you feel like instead of in, it, just being in a crowd of strangers or something, there's a little bit more of a connective like, oh, yeah, we're all kind of in this thing together now. Yeah. And that's, that is such a nice... That's such a nice space to be in um, in any kind of performance. You know, it's so much nicer when you feel like you're part of something.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like also... It's kind of like whatever you're thinking about me, no matter how bad you think it is, someone at some point has had the gall to tell me <laughs> to my face that like I look like this or I sound like this um or or whatever, and um. Yeah, I think it just it gets people off the hook, kind of, and um, it 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 kind of forgives people for for having that ongoing running monologue of trying to inter- interpret. Oh, sorry, I have a cause um, so trying to interpret what's in front of them and right. um and then coming in with reality and um breaking the fourth wall, kind of yeah, um, yeah,
1: well, I think the other thing that is specific to you is that because you mentioned like you you say like you're open line yes i'm i'm disabled and you'll be okay like it also yeah that internal dialogue shifts because then it the shift goes from you being sort of like cuz you could be sort of you could have a like a like to use your word like a sort of a hack thing going of like i'm special because i'm i have a disability and it's presenting right. and i do comedy like that could be you could be like a shtick. But when you when you address it right off the bat, or after like you said the first thirty seconds, whatever, then it sort of shifts. It's like, okay, we all, like you've said it, we've thought it, everyone's everyone's on board. Now we pay attention to like what's does you're actually like, where are you coming from as a person and yeah. as a comic, and then and to me, that's what was um like that's what's most interesting about you. I think if you just were like seen as this person who has. You know this this identity as a, a comic who has a disability, full stop. Then right. It would sort of run out of gas pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, yeah, you would. And uh, I mean, I would say that in five years, my ultimate goal is to actually not joke a whole lot about being disabled, and like, I mean. Because I don't want to be the disabled comic i mean i i know i w- i'm perfectly fine with being um you know the having that always be a part of me i I actually want that to be the case, and i um I will always um, reach back to that, and, and I will always want to talk about how that is affecting my current life, but, yeah, I, I don't at all want to kind of create this career out of just talking about disability and stuff, um, that's why I mean, there are a lot of disabled comics out there. Um uh, my the the one that I particularly like though is Josh Blue. Do you know him? No. Um he was on last comic standing um I think like eleven or twelve years ago. Um, but he's still a working comic and um he has exactly what I have with my policy, um. But he and he, he jokes about it a lot, but then he'll go into like everything else. And uh, I I got the privilege of seeing him do I think a ten minute set uh last summer in Montreal, and um, he. He had a few jobs about you know that that had to do with him being disabled, but the majority of it was not it was just about everything else um and it was hilarious and um that's like that's the ultimate goal, I think. For me, it's just to, to put it simply, just have it be like, yep, I'm disabled. Hear all the he's what It's like, now we can actually talk about something else and move on. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I guess it's, yeah, the longer form is going to be more helpful with that. Right. Um, just, like, speaking hypothetically, I mean, this might be an interesting conversation to look back on, you know, in five years or whatever. I know.
2: I know. Be like, what was he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, when, when I saw you perform, like, the first time, I was like, this person's going to be really famous. There's a good chance that that's true. And I mean, like, who am I to judge? You know, like, but, but that was my sense. And I was like, because they're working on a different, they're working in, on a different level you're working in different many different areas at once uh-huh. in, in in my judgment and that's why it's so connective and so like you can just sort of rise above the yeah i mean it's not yeah and um and i was thinking about you know cuz you have been yeah you garnered a lot of attention quickly and thinking about like just hypothetically if you like really blow up you know and then you're on talk shows or you know whatever the cream of comedy you have a netflix special or you know whatever the whatever thing is like i'm curious for you as a person like i guess two things one is how like what would make you most nervous about having that level of attention and how would you like deal with being that public of a figure as a human being and then the other question was um what do you think and you maybe have already answered this just in, in talking about your experience, but what do you think is would be your biggest gift to sort of the the greater community in having that role?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um well I uh, some people are are kind of afraid of of reaching that almost fantastical level of success when they become a figure. Um I I'm not I I would I would love I mean I would love to actually be a known person in that I would love to represent people like me. Um because I mean, my ultimate goal, I think, in all of this is actually to um put disability more in the mainstream media um and they're working on it. I mean, right now they have um a new net Netflix comedy called special um I actually don't like it because um, it, I personally, well, I, well, I'm very, very sensitive about it, but I personally um, believe I would love to see a show um, with a disabled character in it that is not about the fact that they're disabled um, and they actually have another crusade another um another challenge and a a whole other story about them and they also happen to be different. Um that being said though, I I even though I don't personally like the show that is on Netflix right now Um, I do really, really like the fact that it's there, that it exists, um, because that is progress, and that, um, it is progress to what I would one day want to see, hopefully even create, which is, um... Uh, A bit of media, like a comedy show or a movie or a stand up show or whatever, where I could. uh, There could be people that were, like, physically different and have it be okay. (laughs) Exactly like my joke, just have it be not normal but but fine you know and and it doesn't have to be the thing that that has to be focused on or ignored it can be right in the middle um um, yeah
1: i'm just sitting with that for saying i like that not it doesn't have to be the thing that's either focused on or ignored but right in the middle yeah yeah yeah
2: and there are lots of parts of, of disability that I think a lot of people are still afraid to to talk about. Um, like, dating and, um, you know, having careers, having jobs. Um, I, the, actually, the Netflix show does tackle those, which... That I also appreciate, and I want to uh, I want in five or ten years to have it be more of a common knowledge that disabled people are are not just there to be an inspiration you know <laughs> they're they're real people, they just happen to be disabled. Yes, it does affect parts of their life, um, but in a lot of cases, not so much that it is their life, um, and uh, so kind of getting back to your question, I would say that that is my goal. I would love to, um. If if I were to, to reach a level of success where notoriety was part of it, I would love to be kind of at the forefront of um, showing people that people could be disabled and still be... Active and intelligent and hardworking and attractive and whatever, and all this stuff. Um, and it wasn't just a subcategory of people that you had to, you know, be extra (laughs) nice to, you know, Mm -hmm. they're just people.
1: Yeah, I think I something I love about podcasts in general is especially like interview based or conversational based podcasts is like you, especially when they have really um, high profile in the public eyes type, famous type guests. Yeah. And you know, if someone's able to sit with them and have just a pretty regular conversation, which, you know, thankfully some of the, a lot of the people that have really well-known podcasts are good at, then you listen to the person as a human being first and really realize like, yeah, they're, they might be able, it might be hard for them to walk down the street without being pestered, but their internal sort of reality is very human. I mean, they're just another person. And I think that the people, I mean, this is just my theory. I'm thinking about this right now, maybe, but like, I think the people who do the best with, with having fame are very self-aware type people because they can, they don't just, it's not just everything coming in from the outside that they're basing their sort of success and their happiness and whatever else on. And, and that's, you know, it's probably something that have, you know, we see like a lot of people get really famous when they're teenagers and stuff like that. right And I, they don't have the, a lot of younger people just, especially if you get famous that early and, and, and you have this sort of exterior validation just constantly, you don't really get to know yourself that well. And that's probably why they falter pretty, you know, yeah. spectacularly um, <sighs> yep. in the public eye. But, um, yeah.
2: Well, I, I mean, I've always believed that fame should be a job. Uh, like, um, if you're an actor or a comic or whatever, and what you do happens to also... How do you be famous for it? I think that the, that the only way for you to be able to be famous and keep your head and and remain sane is to really treat it like your nine to five job and um you know go out to award award shows or or do press releases or or be on T V or or what have you. Um and be that figure, that public figure. Um but then at the end of the night go home and strip yourself of that like when you're at home, when you're on your couch that night you are not a famous person, you are just back to being you, um. And I think that that is why a lot of child actors, um, get so caught and get um in a bit of trouble with their um mentally, just because they were a kid and kids are not supposed to have jobs. And so being famous, being a star becomes who they are um and and I feel like when you allow yourself if if you find fame and and you let it you allow it to like sink into your personal identity where when you're in bed alone, you are. Famous, you're a celebrity that can, I would imagine, be really harmful, mm-hmm. really, really odd. I I think it'd be hard to remain humble, being that, and just remain being sane. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, in five years, maybe we'll be able to do a follow-up. <laughs>
2: see
1: <laughs> see how like? you're living it.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, luckily, um, except for, of course, like, Seinfeld or, or Ellen or whatever, um, yeah, like, I mean, the times are changing a little bit, but, like, comics, they... I think a lot of comics have a great level of fame, where um they they've got fans and they're they're notable people, but they're not like paparazzi everywhere. Yeah. They're not like a Kardashian, yeah. um, and they they can continue to have. Like an apartment in Brooklyn, or um, they can just have their life, and they don't need security or or craziness, or um, they can walk down the street and get coffee, and it's okay.
1: Yeah, I I heard a interview with Jerry Seinfeld recently, and he was they were like, "What do?" You know, you're so famous. About what do you want to be like? What do you do if you want to just go down the street and get a coffee? He's like, I-, I walk down the street and get a coffee. Yeah, that
2: is, <laughs> and they're exactly like, what? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. yeah
1: I mean, I, you know, I know who I am. I know I have this. That people are gonna look at me, and so, but like, yeah, I'm gonna live my life. Like, it's not yeah. worth it to sacrifice that.
2: Well, where where does he live? He lives LA? in New York. New York. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that like in the big city, like New York, LA, London, um. People who live there, they know that there are famous famous people that live yeah. around there. I think particularly in LA, um, people know it, and, and so when they do see like relatively famous people out at like the market, they're not going to jump on them, you know?
1: Yeah. That's what they say about New York. I, yeah. bet, I bet in L.A. that is true for the people that live there. And I bet it's also true because they have, like, tours that go to, you know, look at celebrities' houses and stuff. I bet oh. the, sort of the touristy God. aspect of it, I oh, bet they, they do get it. Oh, so behind. gross. But in New York, people say, like, yeah. And, I mean, I've experienced it myself. I um, I, I sold Christmas trees there two winters ago, or the other winter. Yeah. And so I was on the same corner, like, every night, and – um. It was, yeah, it was interesting. I saw a couple really famous people walked right through the Christmas tree stand or walked right by me and I was like, oh yeah, there's the <laughs> <I was like>, house. <laughs> like, yeah. I, and I, like, I didn't have any urge to, um, it was, it, yeah, it's almost like the culture just, it was like, that's really cool that that's that person, but I also was like, I really have no urge to bother that person. Yeah. Like, even though, I mean, one... One of them was uh, David Duchovny, who I'm, like, oh, a wow. huge X-Files yeah. fan. And, like, you know, and and he just walked right by twice when I was setting up the stand. And I was, like, he's, I was, like, man, honestly, that's one of the, like, celebrities I would most love to talk to. Right. But I'm, like, I was just, like, yeah, I'm not going to bother him right <laughs> now. He's know, just walking. Yeah. He, I saw him walk this way, and now he's walking back this way with groceries. Like, I don't need to.
2: Yeah. And
1: he probably would be fine if I just talked to him for a couple of minutes. But I still was, like, in that moment, I was, like, I'm not, like... It's okay for me not to engage this person I know. Like, and really honor the fact that they're a human being and
2: <laughs> I don't think that I could ever go up to like uh, so no matter how much I like them, I don't know that I could ever like go up when they're just trying to get groceries <laughs> yeah. and and be like, Oh my god Um would well, I've had a couple uh, run-ins with people. Who I happened to recognize? Um, when I was in London, and I was at a cafe, and um, do you know Michelle Williams, the the actress. Yeah. She. Well, I was. I had this big, big luggage bag, and I was carrying a cappuccino and like i was struggling i was like trying to get out the door um and my cappuccino was going everywhere <laughs> and um she was at a table with her friend right outside the door um and i didn't realize it was her until after when i looked up but she hopped up and she like grabbed her the coffee and was like, oh my gosh, here, um, and took it over to, like, the table next to her, and I went, when I saw, when I looked up and saw that it was her, I felt so bad, because here she was, gripping this overflowing <laughs> co- coffee, and, like, on her head, and, and I was just like this gawky, <laughs> like American tourist. Um, and actually, I, I think she's American, but but um, and I was just like, Oh, thank you, thank you. Like, it's I'm having a bad day, clearly. And she's like, Oh, it's okay, and um. Yeah, they're people. Like, they're just, they're, they're not, I mean, you think of the celebrities as larger than life, and just, like, if you ever happen to run into them, they're beaming. Yeah. They're, like, <laughs> solid goals. but they're not, they're, they're people, and, um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen someone that was beaming that way.
2: <laughs> beaming. Um
1: No, it's like the the light doesn't uh affect him differently. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like
2: this single spotlight. Yeah. Like Yeah. Um with him in London also I uh, I saw um oh what's his name? Oh he's Oh, Eddie Izzard.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, uh... He's huge in England. Yeah. yeah.
2: And well, I was walking down the street in Soho, I think, and well, I, ju- I just look up and he's just, um, darting in my direction, um, on his phone, trying to, like, find some location, um... And I, I, because he's such a striking guy, because um, he has makeup and all this stuff, and so I recognized him instantly. And I remember marveling in my head all was like, it's two in the afternoon in the middle of London, and yet he can walk around and have no one bother him. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that's great that people, most people, except for, I don't know, the Kardashians or something, they can just have a life and, and be fine. And I think that that's the way that it should be. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, it's how you'd hope. Yeah yeah Yep. i i've i've had a couple of times when i've approached people i think mostly it's been musicians and it'll be like right after the show or right before it when i noticed that they're amongst the people and i like one of the ways that i've put myself out there a little bit is over the years i, I write stories about mostly about things that i experience or about people that i really love and want to profile or you know just stuff like that and i send them out on my email and so there's a list of people that get these stories and either read them or don't or whatever and it's like you know right for me it's more about well i just love stories and i like writing and it's good practice and it's good to have somewhat of an audience so you know and um and so i and you know each one that I would send out I would get some number of emails back of like either feedback or just whatever and I realized that pretty quickly that the ones that were the most meaningful to me were gratitude Uh so if the person said like for instance like um, uh, I woke up feeling crappy today and then I read your story and it really helped me you know remember this or help whatever it was so Uh, We had a small uh, malfunction The the mics stopped recording or the whole thing. Um, Anyway, so I was just saying that, uh, like, I find it the most helpful and meaningful feedback when people express gratitude as opposed to, um, you know, whatever else it might be. Yeah. And that that's what I like to, I mean, both feels the most natural and um, just... you know, how I would like to just felt, has felt really good to express gratitude to people um, that have created something that I really have had a meaningful experience with. Um, and that, yeah, I've only had good experiences doing so.
2: Yeah. There, there've definitely been people who, um like, I'm a big fan of. And if I'm in, in the same room where they are, I I feel... I God, say something like, I um you know I just go up and say hi like, I'm a big fan. Um thank you so much. Okay, bye <laughs> <laughs> and I just run away <laughs> um, but what I remember the most starstruck that I ever was was meeting um the lead singer of the Killers, which is <laughs> my favorite band,
1: uh, Brandon Flowers. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs>
2: um, and I, I, it was after a concert, and um, I went up to him and I was just I had a whole spiel, and then I was so starstruck. I forgot. It. I forgot how to be cool, and uh, <laughs> I I literally said, "Hi, I'm Tina. I'm from Vermont. I I had a whole spiel, and I forgot. it. <laughs> and he was such a great, great guy. Um. That uh he just laughed and said, oh, don't worry about it. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> and uh, and he signed my ticket. And, like, it was just... The, the, I would love to get to... If I ever got to be a big comedian, um, I would love to... I would love to meet him again. Uh, I would say that, that'd be the... There's I think the one person that I geek out over um the most and I would love to be back in the same room and <laughs> yeah. be with that.
1: That'll be a good uh, another marker for our little time capsule conversation. I know.
2: Here. <laughs> I know. Well So
1: how are you and Brandon doing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so there's this um and if any producers are listening to this hint, hint <laughs> there's a there's this great festival in California called um the Comedy Central uh Cluster Fest. Um and it's a festival that they have every year where they book both big musical acts and big comedians. And my dr- in my dreams, <laughs> I would, there'd be a year where I would get to be on that festival and The Killers <laughs> would headline. Oh, yeah. So that I could <laughs> hang out backstage with The Killers. <laughs> That's what it's all about, people. <laughs> Hanging out with their favorite band.
1: Exactly. My worst uh, celebrity experience, I was... I volunteer ushered for, uh, um, uh, David Sedaris.
2: Oh, really? Live
1: reading. Oh. Know? And, um, I had, <laughs> it's so funny to me looking back on this situation because I'm normally like, you know, I, 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 I get nervous around, norm, you know, quote unquote normal people. Like I can be really social. I yeah. get a lot of social anxiety, but like, um, and I and I really revere people, a certain people, but I, I tend to be able to keep my cool... You know, I just... I'm more interested in human beings than heroes, yeah. you know? and <laughs> But I had seen this little situation arise. Uh, I was in Burlington, and I saw, like, this guy putting something at the base of these trees, and then I realized that they were, like, fancy nuts that he had bought, like, mixed nuts, and he was putting them out there for the squirrels. And, like, in my mind, it was, like, this, like thing that david sedaris would notice and think was really funny (laughs) whatever Uh uh-huh you know he's like the most gracious person so he'll sit there for hours while people come through the line and he'll interact with each and every one of them yeah and so i was like i'm the usher i'm not a paying guest like i'm gonna so i just sat i just stood by the side and watched while he while he interacted with all these people and it was really great and funny and and everything and then like at the very end you know i got in line and i i asked him to sign a couple of these programs that had been on the you know taped up on the wall because there's a few people in my life that I thought would really appreciate having a, a signed thing from David Sedaris you know that w- we've shared his stories with right him. and, I, and I, t- <laughs> I, t- I started telling him this story <laughs> about the squirrel and he was like kind of like sort of like not paying attention and I oh, just no. it, you know you, you get in one of those situations where you start telling a story and then really wish you hadn't started yeah yeah, and you're just like, yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> And, and i had also like filled out these little they put these little post-its on it so you could like put your name or whatever so he could sign it to your name just to streamline oh, the like, book signing process yeah. but i thought you were supposed to like write exactly what you wanted him to do so i like put like oh. a little quip or something and then he just sort of like took him put him to the side and then like did his own thing and i'm like of course like what who He's, like, you know yeah but anyways it was just like such a funny thing and i was like and it was such a good lesson. I was like, why Why would I try to put on a performance, of even in a little way, you know, like, and it, I, I had the best intentions and everything, but it was definitely, like, I was like, it's so funny. This person that, like, you know, I've read their books and, do, you know, love their work and all this stuff, and then I was like... Right. <laughs> instead of just being, like, really genuine and just saying thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, tried to do this little shtick, and it, like, totally fell flat. I
2: know. Um... About five years ago, there was, well, there's this great, uh, um, songwriter who's from Vermont, and I, I love her, um, but, but a few years ago, I went to a concert, and, um, I was in, like, the back of the line, like, the, I was the caboose. Of of the line to meet her, and um, she just had a new baby, and so the the poor woman was just trying to get back to her baby, (laughs) and and I was like, I was just going on and on about like, oh, I love you so, like, I I just love you, your music so much, and she was. Like looking around me, trying to trying to rip herself away. Yeah. Be, I mean, she was so nice about it, but afterwards I felt so bad. I was just like, Oh, I should have just like got her to sign something and what yeah. let, let her be.
1: Very humbling experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um well, i i like to uh, i like to bring attention to things that people might not know exist or that like i like to know what are really uh, meaningful or just things that get really excited about. So when you said the Killers are your favorite band, I'm wondering if there are any songs that people might not know or might know, but just like that they could look up and might. Oh you know, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I I always. I mean, everyone knows. Mr. Birdside as yeah. and, and like human and um all that stuff I always recommend um going and listening to the 2012 album called Battleborn. um that I think is the pinnacle of of who they are um whole is a great great era for them um, and there's, like, really great songs on there called Runaways and Miss Atomic Bomb. And, um, I mean, I, like, I know the entire discography of the kid. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, but I would say, like, if, if a person were to approach me and say, I want to really get into the killers where should i go i would always recommend battleborn so yeah.
1: which song is uh my favorite i don't know the killers that well but my favorite killer song is um can you read my mind or, oh yeah is, is that the title? Yeah, yeah that's from the, can you read my mind?
2: the uh second album yeah which is a good album um yeah that's it's a great like I, I believe humbly that um, their second album called *Sams Town* um, was one of the best sophomore albums ever, because they, they were, they kind of broke out with their first album um, *Hot Fuss*, mm-hmm. um, which has, like Mr. Brightside. And someone, somebody told me. Um,
1: oh right, yeah, yeah.
2: And then, you know, usually you, you then face the whole sophomore slump, but they did not. I mean, like apparently some people were um, not happy that it wasn't just Hot Fuzz 2. Right. Um, but it is a great album. Like, so great. And, yeah, it has Can You remember My Mind. Um, and the whole thing is uh, so good. I love them.
1: Well, I'm going to personally, I, I like listening to music that I only have some awareness of. And yeah. So I'll, I'll listen to some Killers albums all the yeah, way Yeah.
2: Apparently, they might be coming out with a new one. Um, they just tease something that looks very suspicious so
1: i i went to a uh i don't know if you ever heard of this but neil young and his ex-wife used to put on this uh bridge school benefit Uh uh-huh every year in california and they started a school for for kids with developmental disabilities um and it's a really cool it was i think they i think it stopped actually which is too bad um but it was a really cool event. It was at an outdoor amphitheater, and all the kids from the school were up on the stage, and all the performances were acoustic. But it was like big names, always like really big names. Yeah, and, you know, of course Neil Young's a big name, and, and his right. wife uh, Peggy. But um, and the year that I went, I went both nights, and it was pretty much the same lineup. But this is 2013, and the Killers were supposed to play the first night, and then for some reason they had to cancel. And I was like, oh that's kind of a bummer. I would have liked to see them and then Yeah. But uh Arcade Fire was the one who filled them. Oh, I was like, okay, I can yeah, handle that. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. It's you know, not really too bad. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're a great live band, though, the killers. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. Me, I'm biased, because they're my favorite <laughs> band. But they're yeah, it's I've seen them about Seven times. Wow! Yeah, yeah. and it just put on a good show.
1: Are there any other like whether it be music or a book or a movie or a show or anything else that you're you have in your orbit that you're like so pumped about <gasps> that you just would love people to know is in the world?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm a bit of a clone in that like. I don't watch that much t v but but what what I do it's me caving and watching like the show that everyone's watching, like uh the office or Game of Thrones or like stuff like that um the one niche show that I adore, which no nobody knows, and it's a shame um it's a british show called upstart crow upstart crow yeah um it's a sitcom all about shakespeare and his life it's a, a comedy Like a real, you can be the stick with me here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, trust me, if you were telling me that, I would, I would be like, aha, aha, oh, oh, I'll have to check that out. Thanks for noticing. And then I wouldn't, yeah, like because I'm not like a big Shakespeare person, but you gotta believe me. Like this show is so funny, like. Well, it's written by the guy who wrote Black Adder, mm-hmm. if you know that.
1: Yeah, I've seen um, some of that.
2: And and Shakespeare is played by a guy named David Mitchell, who um he I think a big British comedic actor, um who just knocks it out of the park. It's the whole thing is just gut bustingly funny um so that that would be the thing that I would highly recommend every like and everyone that I've gotten to actually check it out, they love it, mm-hmm. like they adore it, so it's that thing that I'm constantly trying to actually actually get people to watch and that just say that they're going to watch. Um but yeah, I would highly, highly recommend it.
1: Yeah. Um and the name of that one more time?
2: Upstart crow. Upstart crow. Yeah. Start crow. Upstart crow. Upstart Yeah, okay. like U P S T A R T. Yeah,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. repeating it to try to put it in my memory. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, so our our invitational homework assignment for anyone is Killers albums. Killers. Hold the My 2012 album was called what?
2: Oh, uh, battle, Battleborn. Okay. One word. Battleborn? B- yeah, B-A-T-T-L-A-B-O-R. Battleborn. And, okay, yeah.
1: so Battleborn by the Killers and Upstart Crow yes. is the show. Yeah. What about uh, either a food a or food. a book? It's okay. Okay,
2: food, Annie's macaroni and cheese, what, what? Show cheddar.
1: White Shell cheddar. Yeah. yeah. Every a, day. Yeah. Every
2: day. <laughs> um, no, but actually, um, if you're in Burlington I I recommend people go to po pokey Works or park po- works. It's right next to um uh un Uncommon Ground, the coffee shop. Yep.
1: So for those who are not in Church Street, the main, oh. the main, I mean, yeah. <laughs> not in Burlington. Yes. The main walking shopping street is called Church Street. Yes. And so it's right on the. Yeah. The second if you're block not down. in
2: Burlington, you should come to Burlington and go to this place. Um, but it's like kind of like a Chipotle but Asian, okay. like sushi. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so
1: good. And that's p o k e. Yeah, p o. I don't know how to pronounce that either. P
2: o k e w- works. W o r k s. This is turning into a spelling bee. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 well, for words that people don't know, yeah. I don't. Is poke, pokey, poke. 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 Yeah, I don't know.
2: I find a lot of people because when I'll give them recommendations, and. But I won't trust that they're, um, clearly hearing what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I'll spell it. And then they're like, um, I know how to spell. <laughs> and, like, I'll, I'll and I'm like, I'll offend them. oh my god, sorry. Yeah. Like, that happens a lot with upstairs Crow. I'm like, C-R-O-W. And they're like, I know what a crow is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like giving people the anti benefit of the doubt.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, just in case. Yeah, they're like, who do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a wizard.
1: Oh man, that's good.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, what about books? Any good books?
2: Yeah. Um I well I'm not a big big reader, which I constantly regret. Um, but the last book that I really really enjoyed was called "The Art of Asking." Oh yeah, um, Amanda Palmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: just listened to her on uh, Tim Ferriss' podcast. Yeah, it's such an amazing interview. Uh, it, it's such
2: a good book. Yeah, it's so well written. Um, and I didn't know who she was before. Um, I got the book and I saw the po the uh, TED talk. Um, and, and then I, well, it was cool because I simultaneously read the book and got into her music, um, so it became like a multimedia, uh, love affair with, with her as an artist. Um, so I, I really, really recommend that one.
1: Yeah. I just listened to that maybe two days ago, and I and I remember thinking, yeah, I want to read that book now. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, it's a great, great book. Um, she actually comes to Burlingtons from time to time.
1: Yeah, I I know someone who's a huge fan of hers and has seen her here, and I I wasn't around or whatever. Yeah
2: actually at the at the bookstore that I got the book at, apparently she had just been there like a week before
1: you know it's funny you said that because somebody else I know, I think they were working there, and they were like and then and then they told me that she had come in, yeah, and that they were so excited about it yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: exactly like i uh well I found out because I posted on Instagram. A picture of the book being like this is a great book, um, yeah. And then my friend who works at Crow Bookshop said, Oh, she was just here, <laughs> and I, I PM'd that friend being like, What, <laughs> and uh, so I know some kind of magic happened, yeah, yeah. That was wild.
1: Um, well, how are you feeling about rapping going towards? Feeling good. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, moving along.
1: I know, you probably got other stuff to do today.
2: Ah, work. <laughs> work.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, I just want to say again that make sure we're still rolling here, because that would be a i just want to say again thank you so 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 much i mean thank you um, yeah it's a real honor to to be able to meet you and sit down with you and and have you be the first guest on like this thing that who knows what it's going to be yeah
2: i'm I'm honored Um,
1: and so tina frimmel (laughs) you spell it f-r-i-m-l yes and for people who are more interested um, to follow you and hopefully see you live and and whatever else. Yeah. and there's some videos on YouTube. Um, but how how do we find you?
2: You can follow me on Instagram, um or Twitter, um Twitter just my name, um or Instagram. I'm pretty sure that if you put in my name, it will pop up. Um, and it's Tina from Instagram. Um, but.
1: Tina you know, Frame again, yeah.
2: Yeah. But um other than that I do have a website, just com, and that has all my uh upcoming show dates. Um and then a month on Facebook, I've got a page on there. Uh I'm all over the place. Yeah. So uh
1: <laughs> More and more Yes.
2: And more. <laughs> uh, I was... I I used to be on t- on Tinder, <laughs> except it sucks or not. That. Uh, that's,
1: that's such a funny thing to say on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> find me on Instagram. Find me on Tinder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Please don't find me on Tinder. I won't reply. I like, I can't remember if I'm still on there, but if I am, I literally never check it because um, I think. For a hot minute, I, I had thought that I deactivated it, but I forgot that I didn't. And Or, like, not deactivated, but, like, um you can hide yourself. Um, and I thought that I did that, but I didn't. Mm. And so, when I, like, I never, ever checked it. And one day, I looked at my phone, and I saw that I had, like, like 15 notifications, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, I realized, uh, like, I had like pages of like random, uh, random dudes. All the ones trying that got away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Imagine if I went through the whole thing and was just like, hi, hi, hi. Oh <laughs> uh, no! So I, I can't I, even imagine. I actually hit myself after. Him. <laughs> like no
1: so So this is occurring to me and um i'm i think that this is really neat that this is the first episode and because of where you are in your you know i don't know what you call it career journey whatever yeah but um you know if you're willing to and you don't become you know so famous that you won't talk to us anymore but (laughs) i'd love to you know i'd love to have you back (laughs) And check in with you was along yeah. along your journey because yeah. it's just like so so fascinating and I um uh yeah just my own experience of seeing you and 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 thinking like this this person's gonna be they're gonna blow up so fast <laughs> I mean just from like you know the five minute open mic just and and then it's been kind of cool just sort of watching that happen from I would, afar
2: I would love um, to do that yeah you I, I unfortunately won't be around. Vermont much longer, uh. But although I have family here, so I'll I'll still be here. But but I would love to. Yeah, we'll to. find you. Don't worry oh, about. I mean, I
1: don't I'll know for how much longer I'll be yeah. here. Yeah. Who knows?
2: <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. I I would love to do that. Yeah. Cool. You can talk to my agent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll have to go through a bunch of people
2: next time. Yeah, my people. <laughs>
1: hopefully that won't be true on this end <laughs> never yeah oh wow well thank you yeah. so much tina yeah thank you and i hope we we enjoy the rest of this incredible day for yes. those of you who aren't the two of us sitting in tina's living room um it's uh like this it's like partly cloudy sunny gorgeous spring everything's turning green
2: yeah it's amazing blue sky there's a like, cat basking <laughs> by the window
1: <laughs> we'll take a picture so we can put this it's on great the, uh, yeah you know, if if and when there's show notes or something we can put this up because that cat is in heaven
2: oh cabin. here we go yeah he didn't even notice <laughs> no he is he's so
1: he's in bliss land yes <laughs> deep in bliss land <laughs> alright thank you so much thank Tina. <laughs> you treat. Um thank you so much so much so much, Tina. There's a little bit of like microphone noise you can hear that we're holding the microphones and there's a little bumps in here and there and you know the audio stuff I'm learning as much as I can and and there's definitely a learning curve and so um you know bear with me as that will hopefully become better and better and the content is in my judgment more important than the uh, details there, and yet I'm also someone who could get really fixated on the details for a variety of reasons, and so I totally get that if it's distracting. Um, Just like I said, bear with me, we'll only get better and better with it, and uh, right now this is pretty much a, you know, (laughs) except for the other people on the other end of the microphones, like I'm doing everything. Uh, on this end so it's a huge learning curve for me and that's exciting and also challenging and I'm really glad you're along for the ride so I promise you there will be music and so in honor of Tina's love for the killers we're going to play a killer song in the future we're going to have there you know shall be other people joining playing music for and with us uh, at the moment and when that's not the case I will uh, do some of I'll just make a do it myself. So this is Read My Mind. <laughs>
0: on the corner of Main
1: Street Just trying
0: to keep it in line Say you want to move on And say I'm falling behind Can you read my mind? Never really gave up on breaking out of this two-star town. Got a green light, got a little fight, gonna turn this thing around, can you read my mind? see a broken wrist, and a big trapeze, well I don't mind, if you don't mind, cause I don't shine, if you don't shine. Break down Waiting on some sign Up to front of your driveway Magic soaking my spine Can you read my mind? A drop-dead dream, the chosen one, a southern draw, the world unseen, a city wall and a trampoline. Well, I don't mind if you don't mind, cause I don't shine, if you don't shine, before you jump, tell me what you'll find when you read my mind. Been in my faith until I fall Well, he never returned that call Woman, open that door, don't let it sing I wanna breathe that fire again She said, I don't mind if you don't mind Cause I don't shine if you don't shine Put your back on me, put your back on me Put your back on me like rebel diamonds, cut out of the sun when you read my mind
1: heck we did it episode 1 in the bag man what a what a wonderful time it has been uh, a lot of love went into this baby it's <laughs> it's like when you hear about a band having a, a first album like they have their entire life in order to put into that first album, and then, uh, you know, the ones after that, that kind of have the time in between them, that's a little bit how this feels, it's, there's been a lot of stuff leading up to putting this thing together, and um, thank you so much for being here, the journey begins, and let's see where it goes together, um, just uh, one tiny thing, I have a personal Instagram account, it's at Noah Days Noble Knights, at Noah Days Noble Knights, and that's one place where we can will uh, post things about the podcast. Maybe in the future there will be a separate account for the podcast itself. I'm not sure yet. We'll fill we'll that out as we go. Uh, but in the meantime, there will be updates and pictures of the guests and stuff like that uh, available there. So anyways, have fun. Uh, have a wonderful time. Go out and do beautiful things in the world. Um, and I look forward to meeting you here for episode two. And we have a really wonderful person who is being brought in to help us create missions for you all and for us as well to uh, go out into the world and interact and explore and then report back um, so that we can all sort of experience together. And I'm really excited about that Uh, for this week no homework, even though, I mean, homework, come on, it's not really homework, it's just invitations, but for this week, we'll just sort of bask in the glory of having spent this time together, hopefully we've all gotten something from it, if so, please let me know, uh, you've got the email, and everything, and just be well, bye.